Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. Hope you are all doing well. Liam, it was somewhat of a, shall we say, bonkers week. Um, how, uh, how, how did you... Uh, come out in the end uh, i think the word you're looking for rich is awful and that is how my week went um the somehow i've managed to pull um a win out of thin air in the one league that i thought i was probably going to lose in uh, i need 20 odd 23 ppr points from cup to win a title this week um win a, win a title yes uh, what, what league is have you a... played the final of the playoffs already it's a 10-team league, so the playoffs are a little bit smaller anyway. And um, I decided at the start of the season not to move the playoffs um, to see what the final couple of weeks were going to be. Uh, like in the actual NFL, whether you're going to see more players sitting in the final two weeks, uh, which right. I think a lot of people have forgotten about as the season has gone on. But by the looks of it, it's not going to happen. Yeah. That league, though, both me and my opponent have averaged around 150 points each week. And this week, my opponent's not hit, hit, hit 100, and I'm projecting not to hit 100. So 
it's just been an awfully low scoring week across the board. Yeah, yeah it's been obscene. It's um, I mean, it's weird. We're, we're talking on a Tuesday. Obviously, there's still still, still games two. to take place. But um, yeah, I've, I'm the same. I think I've so I've counted it up. I'm I'm pretty much likely to go seven and seven this week in in playoffs, which. I'll be honest, is a hell of a lot better than it felt this morning when I was looking at things. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I lost in kind of the ones that I was most important to me in terms of I lost in my home league. Um, yeah, I, I lost in a couple of high stakes ones, which which was frustrating. But you know, this is this is the the beauty of fancy football, isn't it? She is a, a gift and a curse. If it was predictable, we we wouldn't. We wouldn't be sitting there and uh, and spending the time that we do. But uh, equally, when when it's completely unpredictable, we say, "Oh, well, this is stupid." But uh, but yeah, you've got to love it. Um, so before we dive into the rest of the show, keen to remind you, uh, that's right, Liam. It's no cuts and your nuts time. Uh, so the support for the Five Yard Dynasty podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in the men's below the waist grooming. Uh, we still got that exclusive offer for you. You get twenty percent off free worldwide shipping with the code five yard as i said many a time before incredible product um and and ensures no cuts on your nuts whilst you're uh, you're tidying your downstairs um as it's you know christmas week liam if you're watching on youtube and on facebook liam my supports uh, i was gonna say supporting but uh <laughs> wearing the the christmas attire as you'll notice yes i'm not wearing a christmas jumper don't don't believe in Christmas jumpers. Um, so I'm I'm now wearing a Christmas t-shirt. I think um, we're gonna fall out after a little while, Rich. We've got pink cocktails, now no Christmas jumpers. What's next? Oh, I'll be honest, right? And, and this is an argument that I've had pretty much every day in the office through December before we got told to work from home, and every year with my wife and my family. I don't have an issue with Christmas jumpers, but I don't like wearing them. I'm not, I don't like wearing jumpers. I don't like wearing socks. As far as I'm concerned, the attire I want to wear is shorts and t-shirt and anything else is, is is overdressed. So, yeah, I'm all for wearing a Christmas t-shirt. I've got a couple of Christmas t-shirts. Happy to get in the spirit of things. But Christmas jumper is just unnecessarily warm for me. So you're the type of person that's going to be walking around the supermarket when it's snowing, minus 10 degrees in shorts, flip-flops and... Exactly yeah, that. Some I, sort of vest or t-shirt. I once played a round of golf, rocked up with uh, with my spikes, drove there in flip-flops. It had snowed two inches of snow. They then turned around and said, it snowed, you can't wear spikes. Uh, it'll mess up the greens. So I then proceeded to play the round in flip-flops. Um, I'm pretty sure I got frostbite. Like My toes were bright blue by the end of it. It was obscene. But uh, yeah, I completed oh, yeah. the entire round with uh, wearing flip-flops. So I was quite proud of that. Right. Flip flops, so, really. <laughs> so, so to continue the Christmas theme, I thought it's Christmas. What best gift can I give Liam? So uh, I gave him a week off of the cocktail of the week. I thought I'd step in, show him what a real cocktail's like. So uh, the cocktail of the week is uh, is going to be sex in the driveway. Uh, so for those of you you cocktail fans, this is basically sex on a beach, but it's better because it's not pink. Um, so it is It is a bright blue sex on the beach. Uh, you make it, it's peach snaps, blue curacao, vodka, and then what, whatever kind of mixer you can, you can chuck tonic. Uh, I prefer like a, a lemonade or a Sprite, something like that. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's certainly my, uh, my go-to cocktail of choice, choice, shall we say. 
It's something that I'll, I'll have to try, but I'm thoroughly <laughs> disappointed that you are not like making it right now. Don't worry, guys. I've got a lime daiquiri. I'm saving the saving the podcast. We are still having cocktails here, even if Rich is being a little bit of a Grinch. I'll be honest, Liam, I've got two little boys under four who are both <laughs> nursing colds at the moment. I'm expecting a, a restless night. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm on a, a nice cup of tea in a festive mug, I'd like to point out. Okay. You know, I've got my Christmas mug. Um, but, yeah, no, no cocktails on a school night for me, that's for sure. Um, so let's dive in, Liam. Enough enough cocktail talk. High scorers of the week. So Crazy week. And I'm, yes, I'm pretty sure there were some crazy high scorers. Very crazy week, and let's just caveat that we still have two games to go um, as of recording, so these very well may change, but we had, as usual, four-point touchdown for quarterbacks and PPR for every other position, no tight end premium. Starting at the quarterback position, we had Tyler Huntley having an absolute monster game against my Packers, and nearly won it for them as well scoring 35 points. Then you had Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert there, Rich. Um, Mahomes looks like he's getting back into the groove. He looks like he's back into the groove. Um, I know that there's a bit of news that's just come out, so we're going to have to wait to expand on that a little bit more. But (laughs) Mahomes looks like he's back. I think it's a tough one because we've talked. it feels like we've talked about this a couple of times in Mahomes is back, Mahomes is back. But... Mahomes is back, but it's again against another defence that didn't play cover two. You know, I don't quite get, I think the Chargers were fantastic. They play fantastically, but I don't get why their game plan was quite obvious that they thought they could match up man for man and played, you know, the majority traditional cover one, cover three shell. And basically, yes, they, they could match up man to man whilst Derwin James was in the game. But as soon as Derwin James left the game, Travis Kelsey went absolutely ballistic, you know, scored a billion points. And, it, you know, the Chiefs offence looked like it always it always did. But again, we've now seen the Chiefs have three fantastic offensive performances, twice against the Raiders, once against the Chargers. And all three of those defences have played cover one and cover three. And, and, you know, the blueprint is out there that the Chiefs can't basically walk down the field against the cover two shell. I don't get why any defensive coordinator isn't just rolling out cover two shell and say to Patrick Mahomes, complete 10 passes a drive to, to try and score. Um, so I'm very interested to watch them this week and see if, if, as you say, Patrick Mahomes is back or whether it's just a case of some poor game planning from some, uh, some NFL defensive coordinators. So at the running back position, you had Duke Johnson coming out of the woodwork after a year and a half hiatus, I suppose. Uh, Just completely unknown. And then all of a sudden just came out of nowhere for the RB1 on the week. You also had Jonathan Taylor go for 170 plus yards, I believe it was. Um, And then Jeff Wilson as well as the RB3. Rich, Duke Johnson, I know you want to get a word in there, so I'll hand the floor over to you. Yeah, I, look, I, I was a Duke Johnson believer. He carried me to a title in 2017, I think it was, when he finished as an RB1 on the year um, up in Cleveland. Um, it was, yeah, a, a, a nice, pleasing uh, day to, to see Duke Johnson ball out. But my God, was it a shock. Um, I think anybody who started <laughs> Duke Johnson, you know, we talked about it a few weeks ago, didn't we? Anybody who started Duke Johnson, you know, 
fair play to you. Send in a screenshot. I'm sure we'll organise some sort of prize for you because that is, uh, yeah, some 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 impressive uh, cojones to uh, to be starting D Johnson in a playoff matchup. Either that or been absolutely hit by the <laughs> yeah, current COVID good. situation. At the wide receiver position, we had Tyreek Hilbo absolutely off again. Um, likewise with uh, another player on his team. You also had Brandon Cooks and Gabriel Davis. Um, Manuel Sanders being injured there opened up a little bit of a door for Davis to come back in and show what he did last year. Um, hopefully that stays up, but I'm still looking at getting rid of him where I can because I'll follow you on this one. Day three wide receivers don't matter. <laughs> um, tight ends, we had Travis Kelsey, as Rich mentioned, just absolutely went off. And um, Mark Andrews, he was he would have been the wide receiver six, Rich. Um, no, no, no that's been, that's the, I've I've just added that note in. So he is currently the wide receiver six this season. If he was classified as a wide receiver, there you go. That so is. he's he's the tight end one on the season, but he's the you know we we all made a big thing about Travis Kelsey last year would have been a top five wide receiver. Well, Mark Andrews is currently the wide receiver six. He would be ahead of Chris Godwin in points if uh, if he was classified as a wide receiver. Well, there you go, guys. And Tom, if you're listening, well done. You called it at the start of the season. And then you also had Hunter Henry Rich go off and be the tight end three. Um, so so on, on Mark Andrews quickly. So I, I talked about this um, with a couple of people today. And yeah, I'm, I'm probably, I feel like I was about consensus on him at the beginning of the year. And I've looked at things and I, I thought, mate, am I too low? Am I, do I need to move him up? He's currently my tight end four. Um, and I honestly couldn't get him above any of the guys ahead of him. So the, the three ahead of him are Kelsey, Kittle and Pitts. And I was looking at it and I was like, I'd, I'd rather Kelsey over him still. I think to me, Kelsey's got a, a high ceiling and I think that that he's probably got another year, maybe two. And and Pitts and Kittle are just, you know, I think the highs are still higher. Um, may, maybe I'm, I'm going to have to eat crow on that. But I think for me, the highest I can go on Mark Andrews at the moment is tight end four. Um, and I think that, you know, that that's harsh on him because, as I said, he's the tight end one on the season. He's tied to a, a quarterback that's going to get signed long term. He's in a, you know, a decent offence that he's probably the number one target. And, yeah, a tight end four is as high as I can get him. I think those four are all in a tier for me and I'm not too bothered which one I take out of the four at the moment. I think Mark Andrews is probably the one I'll get the most of in Dynasty Startups next year because of the cheaper price compared to the rest of them. So, Rich, let's move on to some significant news. Um, we had a lot of it this week, so we're going to have to cut down a little bit. So we'll start off with some injuries to, to start. So Pat Frymuth went out of the game with a concussion. It's his second concussion this season. Um, so he's possibly losing losing this week um, and maybe even longer because of it being a multiple concussion season. Rich, he, he was becoming a great tight end two in the class, um, in the rookie class, and then becoming an up-and-coming tight end that people are probably going to start building dynasty rosters around at that position specifically. What do you think this is going to spell for his value going forward? 
I think it'll be an interesting one because I think that he was one of these prime candidates to probably get overhyped. Um, I think he's to me he's in that kind of I'd say third or fourth tier of tight ends. He's I'd lump him in with Dallas Goddard, Noah Fan, Mike Kazaki, Dawson Knox, those kind of guys that you know he's he's shown as a rookie that he can be you know a tight end one for your roster. But I, I always get concerned when someone shows something as a rookie that that we almost overhype them and then their price just skyrockets. And and I could have seen him being thrown in that, you know, top tier with Kelsey Pitts, Kittle, Andrews, Waller. Um, so I guess I'm kind of hopeful that hopefully this, the fact this is, you know, another concussion, I think he's probably likely to miss... Well, he's definitely going to miss this week, I think, from from reports, and it, it could be held out a little bit longer because it is that second concussion in a short period. Um, I wonder if that will do enough to keep that price sustainable moving forward. That means he won't um, he won't reach those kind of upper echelons of that kind of higher end time, whatever such. So. Some more injury news, Rich. We've got Julio Jones with a hamstring likely done for the season. That's a big loss for the Titans, considering they've already lost AJ Brown for a significant portion of time this season and also lost Derrick Henry for the rest of the season. Although he's meant to be coming back for the actual NFL playoffs, not the old fantasy football playoffs. I don't think that he's coming back. I think the Titans would be smart to just wrap those three in Cottonmore. I know AJ Brown's been designated to return this week, which means he could be back for fantasy rosters this week. But I wouldn't be shocked if they basically just say, look, we're, we're pretty much in the playoffs. Seeding's kind of irrelevant. I think the Colts are probably going to take the division. And let's just say, right, let's just get our offence healthy for week one of the playoffs and, and try and have you know, those three studs in terms of Julio, AJ Brown and Derek Henry fully fit and firing. And if I, I don't care what team you are, I, I wouldn't want to fancy those three uh, in a fully functioning offence. So then you also had Sterling Shepard um, with an Achilles tear. He's likely going to, well, he's definitely out for the rest of the season. It's likely going to affect his 2022 season as well. I believe he's a free agent, which I haven't got the contract up, so I'll have to have a look at that. But um that's going to affect his 2022 season. Chris Godwin, um, uh, definitely a free agent going into next year, had an ACL tear during the game where Brady lost both of his top wide receivers um, in Mike Evans and Godwin and also lost Leonard Fournette and put up zero points, which didn't help me at all as I had both Brady and Evans in my uh, my one league that I was trying to compete and take the title for that I'm probably out in now. So, yeah, um, Chris Godwin's ACL tear. You also have Joe Mixon with a left ankle sprain. And we don't know the severity at this point, but it looks to be something that we need to keep an eye on because it could take him out for a good couple of weeks or he could be back next week or this yeah. week, should I say. Yeah, so first of all, quickly jumping in on Sterling Shepard. So he, he's not a free agent officially till 2024, but the Giants could save five million by cutting him next year. So I wouldn't be shocked if there's a cut with an injury designation for them to save money because I can't imagine he's going to be healthy to play much at all next year. If it's an Achilles day, you're normally talking at least 12 months. Um, Joe Mixon, I think this was a sneaky one. It's kind of snuck under the radar for a lot of people. I think... 
depending on the severity, this this could be Joe Mixon's fantasy season over. Um, we've seen him be super, you know, impressive this year. His dynasty value has absolutely skyrocketed. In the latest DLF ADP, he was going as the RB4, which was mind-blowing to me. Um, hopefully, it's, you know, not the dreaded high ankle sprain. He's able to come back this week, but it's certainly one, if you've got Mixon on a contending roster, it's certainly one to monitor because... Um, yeah, that, that could be uh, could be painful down the stretch. Um, although if you've got some RJP Ryan, um, he, he might be the next Duke Johnson or Jeff Wilson to uh, to, to be a, a fancy stud for you in the playoffs. Um, and then I mentioned it just with Godwin, but Mike Evans and Leonard Fournette, both with hamstrings potentially done for the rest of the fantasy season, Rich. This, this is going to be a huge loss for every every fancy roster that has them on. And for the books that are trying to get into the playoffs, I'd expect them to just hold off with both of them and be cautious for the next few weeks of the regular season and try and get them back for the playoffs because that is a huge loss if they lose all three of those guys coming into the, the playoffs. Yeah, so it's big, you know, it's big for the Bucks who were... Uh potentially in the hunt for that number one seed. I, I do wonder if that, that could kind of put pay to that hope. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's just a case. If you're the Bucks now, you're just hoping that they're they're fit for the NFL playoffs. I, I can't see them running back. Maybe we see the resurgence of Ronald Jones. Uh, maybe he finally gets some fancy relevancy once again. Um, and yeah, I guess it's good for the Bucks that, you know, they've, they've, they've forgotten all their morals and they've welcomed Antonio Brown back into the fold, you know. <laughs> Bruce Arians said, you know, we'll 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 bring back uh, Antonio Brown, but if he if he makes a mistake, if he uh, causes a problem, he's he's gone. He's on, you know, zero zero tolerance. Um he's I'm not quite Maybe sure. Maybe a little though. bit of tolerance now. Well, you know, just just faking faking the fact that you're vaccinated. What was it? He fraud fraud? Are we calling it fraud? Did it was it committed fraud that he stole a... I'm not sure whether they've called it fraud, but he definitely forged a uh, vaccination card. Yeah, so I mean it's it's pretty much fraud, isn't it? Um Basically, and, uh, yeah, and the, but that's as we said, that's you know, that's obviously not a big enough uh digression to to get released. So yeah, zero tolerance has uh, has been uh, Allowed a little bit of tolerance, should we say? Maybe we'll see the first round pick that a lot of people um, had in their fantasy rookie drafts last year of Keyshawn Vaughan actually see the field this in the, in the coming weeks. Potentially, yeah, not. I much hope for that. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll just have to see how that one goes. But I assume that he's not going to be anywhere um, uh, anywhere near that field because he seems to be in the major doghouse. And then moving on for the last piece of significant news, I'm sure you've all heard, but the COVID situation in the NFL has took a major turn this week. I know that a few of my leagues that I'm in um, voted to put backups and substitutions, however you want to call it, um, wanted to put backups or uh, substitution contingency plans into, into place for the playoffs. So, just to give you a bit of a bit of information, a bit of an idea on what's going on in the NFL. Before the games, 151 players had been put onto the COVID reserve list. Um, that's roughly six percent of the uh, of the league, and I believe that that number was even higher when the game started, um, and and they're even higher than they are right now. So, 
there's been two is it two or three postponement of games rich two i believe because three wasn't it because it was the one the two to today and then the one to the extra one to monday night wasn't it so it's three games so three postponements um a lot of teams like the rams the browns got hit uh, last week this week it looks like it's going to be kansas city um news broke today that kelsey uh, well, Kelsey went on to COVID reserve yesterday and then Tyreek's gone on today. So two major losses for two of the three Kansas City names we just called out in the in the highest scorer section, Rich. Yeah, it's painful, isn't it? A lot of a lot of fantasy studs didn't produce in week in week one of the playoffs, but two oh, that did for Kelsey and Hill. And uh, yeah, so the people that own Kelsey and Hill have likely won their uh, their playoff matchups, and then you're probably going to be without them i did see that kelsey they said that he's double jabbed so he could potentially return in five days so he's definitely not out of contention yet um i don't know about tyreek hill so we'll have to uh, listen over the next couple of uh, days see what comes out there um so diving into the dynasty stock market um so big risers big fallers um, the first big riser, Liam, I did this just for you. <laughs> uh, so that is the tight end position as a whole. So of the top three scorers across any position this week, two of them were tight ends. We've already talked about them. Travis Kelsey was the number one scoring player on the week and Mark Andrews was the number three scoring player on the week. Um, hopefully this means that, you know, it proves that tight end is, is a viable position. And uh, hopefully it will uh, will reaffirm its uh, its presence in the fantasy landscape. This just proves my point that I've been saying from the start. I don't have an issue with the tight end position specifically. It's just the fact that it is a go for broken, get one of the top tight ends. It's a premium or nothing position. You either get one of the top four at the moment, tight ends, top five maybe, if Waller actually plays. Or you may as well just try and pick from the scrap heap of the rest of the league because you have no idea who's going to go off. We've had multiple weeks this week where someone like a Jack Doyle has been tight end one that hasn't even been on people's rosters on the most part. So this, for me, just proves the point of get a top tight end or don't bother at the position at all. The only thing I would say on that is that the idea... I, you know that that was the consensus opinion is that people go tight and early get you know pay up for Kelsey Waller Kittle um, at the beginning of the season or don't draft one at all and yet we're seeing one of those middle round tight ends in Mark Andrews who was you know tight end five in some mm. places tight end six in ADP and yet he's now the tight end one in in fancy and he's as I said equivalent to the wide receiver six the guys producing so i think does, I think does calling that put it paid does that put paid to the fact that you know the, yes tight end uh, how how early are we saying tight end early are we going to start saying right well you've got to take one of the top six tight ends well so you know, that, that starts stretching the parameters a little bit if we're going tight end early or not at all. no so my tight end early was hawkinson and andrews were the back end very last people i'd taken even then i was probably taking wide receivers over them so I will say that Mark Andrews was a bit of a miss for me. I was higher on him than a lot of people were, but I didn't want to take a tight end like Andrews that early. So I didn't think he was going to be the tight end one. I thought he was going to be more like a tight end four. But 
Yeah, yeah, that one was a bit of a miss for me, but I still don't like the fact that you're just calling the tight end five through ADP as not tight end early. Right. If you're picking up Mark Andrews in the round four or five that I was seeing him go in, then that's great. That's where I would have taken him. But if you're if you're taking Mark Andrews in the t- in the round two, for example, that that's why I wouldn't do it. Yes, yeah, so I'd much rather have a different person in round two. His, his ADP at the beginning of the season, this is in redraft, not dynasty, it was was a fifth round pick. So you can't say that that's tight end early because it's not. So to me, I think that he's perhaps. <sighs> if, we, if it, I just think if everybody at the beginning of the season was saying tight end, it's got to be Kittle, uh, Kelsey or Waller was the two that everybody was saying and. You know, Mark Andrews has proved that maybe you don't have to be a top two tight end to, to produce like it. I'm not. I'm not saying everyone was wasn't saying that because they were. I'm just saying what I was saying was not just the top three tight ends. I was taking Pitts out of the conversation because I didn't think Pitts was going to uh, produce half as well as it as he's done so far this season. But I still had the top five tight ends were the top three that we've spoken about and then Andrews and Hawkinson who Hawkinson has given me a big fat finger to the face basically this season he's done awfully um, and then Mark Andrews has kind of gone the opposite way you know overachieved what I expected but that's why I meant by tight end early and not at all is and I, I've said I said this before when we were doing startups rich Hawkinson was the last guy I would take Hawkinson and Andrews were in a tier below and they were the last guys that I was taking. I wasn't spending any eighth round pick, seventh round pick on a Fant or anything like that. Even though I like Fant, I'd much rather try and trade for him afterwards at a cheaper value than the, than a seventh or an eighth round startup pick that I was having to... You don't have to explain yourself to me. I, I just enjoy winding you up. That's all. Um, so moving to my second, have you just spilt your drink? Oh no, I thought you no, spilt your, no. your laptop, that was going to make me laugh. No, because it's got ice in, it condensates and then it sticks to the coaster, that's all it does. You've got, you got to chill your glass, that's the problem there Liam, you got to chill your glass. Um, so the next the next big riser um, is Debo Samuel, okay, yet another top 12 week. Uh, so Debo Samuel has played in 13 games. He is the wide receiver three in points per game. He is the wide receiver five overall. Through 13 games, Liam, how many top 12 weeks do you think he has had? I'll go with, I've seen him in the top eight quite a bit. So I'll go with nine, nine, nine games. That's, that's, that's a bit rich. He's a bit uh, rich. <laughs> he's 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 finished in the top twelve seven times. Okay, I was only seven two times. off. That's not I mean, too I rich, was, is it? No, but I was I was gobsmacked that you know that that he'd finished in in the top twelve that many times. How many players do you think have finished in the top twelve more than Debo Samuel this year? So finish the week as a wide receiver one. So we'll have Cup Adams. Tyreek, I'm going to assume, is around that mark. Um, going to take a stab in the dark at four. No, one. 
So really? Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup has finished as a wide receiver one 11 times. Debo Samuel, seven. Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, six. And then Chris Godwins, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, and Tyler Lockett, five times. He has been a wide receiver one only beaten by Cooper Cup. Who's on a historic year. Let's, exactly. let's not exactly. underrate that. So, so that comes to my kind of, I guess, big question that, that I'm, I'm considering. Are we too low on Debo Samuel? Should he now be a top 12 dynasty wide receiver? If you have been listening to me from the start of this offseason, from when I first came on, I am such a pessimist. I am not an optimist and I am so risk averse. So I have real trouble with putting Debo in the top 12. With that being said, I think there is a real void right now after you get past a a good portion of players at the back end of the wide receiver one or the top 12 at at that position that I don't really know who else you can put at that back end of the position above Debo Samuel. Yeah. I I don't know what you feel about this, Rich, but I don't really know where else you can go with Debo right now. I think he has to be at the back end of that. Yeah. So for me, I, he's now my wide receiver 12. Um, so I guess for me, he's a you know back end wide receiver one. I've then I've I've just completed my I do it every month my rank my ranks versus DLF ADP to see who I'm higher on who I'm lower on. I thought I'd be higher than consensus on Debo Samuel, but Debo Samuel is the wide receiver ten in the latest December ADP. So uh, you know he is very much in a solid wide receiver one from a, a dynasty value perspective at, as we speak. I think that with his production right now, that will be the case. But as we start getting on to next season, you might see that drop a little bit because of other players rising for one. So after free agency and potentially some trades going down, um, you might see some players think or some of the dynasty community um, naturally kind of just migrating over to a player and putting him above. So you could see, for example, Chris Godwin um, go up in value, uh, much like we saw Kenny Golladay. Um, yes, the Giants wasn't a brilliant position, but if he went to a different team, you were probably seeing that value come way down. Um, so maybe you see some players moving up during the offseason. But right now, I think Debo Samuel is a top 12 wide receiver. <laughs> My only concern is, you either you either see the Trey Lance situation next year go one of two ways. You either see uncontrollable hype like we saw at the start of the season, where oh my god, Trey Lance is going to be the next next Kyler <coughs> Murray, the next everything, um, and he's going to blow the blow everything out of the water. And Debo Samuel is going to be his top, his wide receiver one, going for five thousand yards and. 2000 touchdowns you know you know what i mean that's that's the sort of hype he's going to get or it's going to go the other way and people are going to think from the limited snaps we've seen trey lance hasn't looked amazing he's looked good but not amazing so are we projecting debo samuel too high how how do we know are you can kittle aren't going to be as involved and i think you're going to see one of two ways and i think the middle ground is probably where it's going to be Maybe the answer is we don't need to worry about Trey Lance getting him the ball because he just lines up in the backfield. 
Maybe that's it. Maybe it's Debo Samuel. Maybe this time next year we'll be talking about Debo Samuel. Is he a RB one overall rather than wide receiver one? Uh, no. <laughs> he's, got, he's still going to be a wide receiver that lines up in the in the backfield. I'm only teasing. Um, so the big fallers of this week. So it, it pains me to say this, but Jamar Chase, he has, you know, basically he was on an unsustainable rate at the beginning of the season in terms of he was catching an obscene number of deep balls. He was catching, you know, a really had a really high touchdown rate. We talked about it regressing, but hoped that he would see more volume and, and still be able to produce for you down the stretch. And uh, here we go. He has scored over 14 points once in the last seven weeks. Um, he is certainly not uh, the wide receiver one that, that some people were hyping. I think he's still an absolute stud. I think he's still in that conversation as a wide receiver one but it's yeah it's, it's not the second half of the year that uh that we had hoped to see from from jamar chase no he's one of the many people that we've spoken about already on the on the main dynasty roster i was looking at contending and potentially trying to take home a lot of money um this season so that that roster included mixon that we've also spoken about in the significant news for an injury mike evans brady um <laughs> Uh, along with a couple of other players but yeah I, I know firsthand that Chase has been a bit disappointing at the end of this season Um hopefully he turns it around but the thing that I kind of started to see is maybe it was Higgins coming back and being fully healthy that has kind of made this downturn for Chase maybe that he came into the year and defences didn't really know what he looked like and then they're talking by surprise and now they're I, I need to watch the tape to see more of this but maybe they'll start we'll start to see chase open up a bit more now that higgins and boyd last week um had a, had a good game as well so maybe we'll start to see defenses gravitate a little bit more over to them but i say that and the the bengals seem to not be able to do anything when chase is covered so um, or, or not win games, should I say, um, when Chase is covered. So may, maybe this is the winning formula for, for NFL teams to win. Yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting one to watch. Um, I think look, Jamar Chase, I think he's too good to, to not break out of this little slump he's in. Obviously, week before last, he, he was fantastic. Um, I do think that we're going to see, you know, this this offence, it's, it's hard to have three good receivers produce on a, on a weekly basis, isn't it? I think it's going to be a case of some guys are going to have boom weeks, some guys are going to have good stretches um, and others are going to going to feast at different times. I think whenever an offence has three, you know, above average receivers, it's it's hard to, to find that consistency, isn't it? Because they're not just feeding one guy all the time. Um, breaking news on the pod though, Liam, I know you're, you, you were very, very, you know, stressful concerning who you were going to start. But Garrett Gilbert is starting tonight for the Washington football team. So uh, I knew so, yeah. full well when I saw this come through. I said, like, <laughs> I'll let Rich do his thing. And I'll, I'll stay back from this. And if he doesn't mention it at the end of this segment, I'll jump in with a bit of breaking news. And I knew full well that you were going to jump in because it's your boy, Tyler Heineke. 
Yeah, um, well, you know, he, he can, he, you know, he can solve a lot of problems, but he's he's yet to solve COVID, isn't he? So, uh, yeah, it's good. Let's be honest, I'm not looking forward to watching this game. I can't decide if I'm staying up tonight or whether I'm going to get up in the morning and watch it. But um, my God, I'm not sure I, I'm to a guy that's just been signed. That's I, now what fifth string quarterback that's going to start. On the plus side, you can ignore that and you can just watch the Seattle Rams game if you really wanted to. But I'm, I'm really just going to go to sleep. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to be really sad and watch both, aren't I? So, uh, yeah, never mind. Anyway, moving on with the <laughs> uh, The next faller, uh, so it's just the Pittsburgh offense as a whole. You know, we've we've had some some good stuff. We've had some bad stuff. But, my God, Sunday was abysmal. Ben, Big Ben, just it's just painful. You know, I've, I feel like my arm's stronger than his at the moment and I haven't thrown a football in anger in about three years. Um, it was just vile. Deontay Johnson led the entire game with 37 receiving yards. Najee Harris had 12 rushing attempts. Every single one of his rushing yards came after contact. Um, it's, it's just, it was just an awful display. And all I can say is, my God, for all of my Deontay shares, do I hope they get a decent quarterback next year? Because the guy's a stud. As soon as he gets a quarterback that can actually throw the ball more than five yards, um, I think he's going to be a, a a beast. I still have no idea how they won that game. It was <laughs> not defense. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the only way that they could have done because their offense was completely outgained. It was just awful. The Titans yeah. had a stretch where they had three turnovers in ten plays, um, and, and that's pretty much the reason why they lost the game. I mean, just looking at the looking at the stat line, so you had Najee Harris twelve carries for eighteen yards and two every, uh, two receptions. Every one of yards. those, every one of those eighteen yards was after contact. It's just awful. But then you look on the other side, and you see Dante Foreman, who hasn't played in the league for nearly two years, have twenty two carries for one hundred and eight yards and two receptions for twenty seven yards. Like yeah. we, we're drafting Najee Harris right this second, uh, a top 12 uh, running back, uh, top probably three top six. Yeah, top yeah. three running back is his ADP at the moment. Yeah. And this is the offense he's on. Um, yeah. I'm not saying that we need to call the Jets on Najee too much, but really, if this the offense that goes into next it's year, I don't really want any Najee shares at this point. Let's pray they find a quarterback and maybe a couple of offensive linemen. It might, uh, it might be, might be wheels up. So moving on to the stars of the week, Liam. Where, where are we going with uh, with your star of the week? So I, I seem to be calling back to preseason a lot this episode, but in the preseason I had Brandon Cooks as a good play, um, a, a good late round receiver or latish round receiver to grab. Um, that was going to help you contend, and he he did that. He's not been that for the entire season. I will caveat that, but um, he went. He was the wide receiver two on the week, hundred and two yards on seven receptions and two touchdowns. Um, the one thing I will say is he's probably stuck there next year. I don't think that they really save too much. Um, the, the Houston Texans don't really save too much by... Okay, Rich has just updated the show sheet, so I'll let Rich take away with that because that just contradicts my complete point there. Yeah, so he's got a 16 million cap hit. 
but the dead cap's only seven and a half million. So they actually save nine million by cutting him. So um, it depends what, what happens, you know, where they want to go. But saving nine million to move on from Brandon Cooks, I, would, I wouldn't be shocked if, uh, if he was either traded or moved on at the end of the season. Which is crazy to me because he has had, I think it's five or six. Um, I think it's six of the seven the years six. in the league, he's he's been a thousand yard receiver, and the he's on pace for eleven hundred yards this season, which will yeah. which would have been a thousand. He's he's just, I think it's sixty five fifty five point uh, fifty five yards away from a thousand right yeah. now after the after the last game, and I think that's and- crazy. It's, you know, he's been on four NFL teams, he's been traded three times, and he's still only 28. Like, you know, it's it is it is crazy, but I wouldn't be shocked if we see him moved and potentially it could be a really nice wide receiver two, wide receiver three for uh, for a team to go and grab. He he would be, but I think in terms of dynasty, Rich, where do you have him right now? Because I like him again as another another lower end guy that you could probably get as a wide receiver three and feel comfortable in your flex spot every week. Um, maybe wide receiver four on, on your team, but I, I, I don't know how the camera had him. Uh, <laughs> so he's, he's currently my wide receiver 44 in my ranks. Okay, so, so he's I, about your wide receiver four then. Yeah. Or yeah, in so, the wide receiver four tier. Yeah, so I value yeah. him as the equivalent to the 201 in a superflex draft this year so yeah so i think if you're if you're looking to buy a, a, you know if you can pay a, a second uh great if you're looking to sell i think if you can get any first for him then i'd, I'd be pretty happy yeah he, he, he's just a really consistent guy he's one of those people that people never want to pay up for he's like a tyler like it no one ever wants to pay up for him even though he has good end of season numbers um it's and, because and, the reason is is because he's 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 the perfectly consistent inconsistent player in that he is consistent on a year on year basis in that he is going to finish as a wide receiver two wide receiver three and have really good stats at the end of the year, but on a week to week basis he is really inconsistent and he as you said he has boom weeks he disappears, and you never feel particularly comfortable if he is one of your top two top three wide receivers if he is your wide receiver four wide receiver five. And you can slot him into that flex spot, then fantastic. You know that's great. Then you're in really good shape. But if you're having to look at him as a you know a, a top three receiver on a weekly basis, then you kind of feel like you're not in great shape, don't you? Uh, and then my star of the week, Liam. So um, so I have gone with Cole Komet. So we talked an awful lot about tight ends this uh, so far <laughs> this show. What's what's one more? Uh, so I've, I've been really impressed with Cole Komet. I think he was hyped up as one of these, you know, young potential breakout guys could could kind of be the next the next star. And I think the quarterback position has kind of held him back so far. I don't think he's had the opportunity to, to really ball out. Um, but I've been really impressed with him the last few weeks. And um, he's, he's kind of shown that... You know, he, he he's starting to carve out that number two role in that offense. I think Justin Fields is starting to show some some chemistry with him. He's seen over five targets now in four straight games. Um, on Sunday, he had a twenty five percent target share. He had nine targets, six catches for seventy one yards. Um, 
I think the, the you know the the great stat lines aren't there, but if I'm looking for a young under undervalued tight end at the moment that I think I can get cheaper to kind of be my tight end two that that could potentially break out in that third year, I think you can go a lot worse than uh, than Cole Komet at the moment. No, I, I I like this shout, and I think the the biggest thing for me is what Fields does coming into next year because if Fields does what I think he does and turns on the Jets and becomes the quarterback that I really do think that he can become, Komet will be a big part of that because other than Mooney, he hasn't really got any other receiving options there into next year. Alan Robinson's gone after this year, unless I, I don't think that they can. Franchise tag him? Well, they can, but they'll have to pay him. I don't know what the franchise number is, but it'll be 120% of whatever they paid him this year. So uh, I think I'm pretty like sure that's 18... a high figure this year yeah, as well. I, so. think it's, I think it's like 18 million this year. So I can't see him paying him like 21, 22 million next yeah. year to uh, to basically be a, you know, a, a shell of his former self. So with, uh, with Robinson gone, yeah, maybe that they... As as we've said multiple times in this season so far, the wide receiver free agency class is a really good class, but maybe that they don't sign anyone. I mean, I find it very unlikely that they don't sign or draft anyone, but Cole Komet, I think, is just going to be one of those top options for a breakout. And I think what we're seeing right now is a post-hype kind of downer on him. Because he was in the the breakout candidates like um, Adam Troutman at the start of the season. He and Adam Troutman were the two big breakouts that everyone was kind of expecting to happen. Maybe he becomes like a Dawson Knox that's kind of maybe not the same level as Dawson Knox, but slips under the radar a little bit because people have put so much into him that they thought he was going to break out and now he hasn't. They're going to look away from him and you can swoop in pick him up a little bit cheaper than and than what you would expect and maybe he does break out but i'm still sticking to my tight ends at this level don't matter so i think i think he could be a really sneaky buy now sell later um yes i think he's he started to put together some some decent weeks and i think if you can acquire him now I think once the off-season settles in and people sort of start to look at season-end totals and start to break everything down, I wouldn't be shocked if Colcomet's value started to rise and and he gets hyped up as that third-year breakout and we start talking about him as a top-12 receiver, uh, top-12 tight end, sorry. Um, and I think at the moment you can probably get him in the, what would you say? He's, he's, I mean, he's my tight end 16, but I guess consensus-wise he's probably a back-end tight end too. He's probably in that early 20s in terms of where yeah. he yeah you could probably get him for a late set or you you're most certainly getting him for a late second i'd say uh if you can get him for two for two thirds then brilliant yeah but that's purely on the point of let's sell him at a later point i don't think that you're buying cold commit to be become the next one of the top five options yeah, he's worth he's worth a dart throw, but um, yeah, I was, I was with you. I'm I'm not paying much more than uh, than that sort of price. Um, so the deep dive player of the week, Liam. So this isn't necessarily a deep dive name, but uh, I think it's definitely a, a deep dive in terms of performance. So it's going to be Cortland Sutton, 
who I'm sure some of you are like, how is how is Cortland Sutton a deep dive? But Cortland Sutton was the wide receiver 71 on the week. He finished with 4.1 PPR points. He had two receptions for 21 yards. Not exactly exciting, um, but he did have seven targets. He did have 120 air yards, which was top 10 in the NFL. We've now seen, obviously, the horrific hit that, that Teddy Bridgewater had. Good news that he's he's up and moving and, and hopefully in a better place than, than was feared. But we've now seen that, that Drew Locke is, is going to start. I do wonder if this could be the point at which Cortland Sutton starts to recoup some of his value. You know, we talked about him as being a a big faller with Jerry Judy coming back earlier in the season, called him a, a kind of a must sell at that point. Um, I do wonder if people have sort of soured on Cortland Sutton and now he almost becomes a buy because look, Drew, Drew Locke, he, he, he's a questionable quarterback, but he does does throw the ball up a little bit more than, than Teddy Bridgewater. Um, and I do think that there's going to be a new quarterback in town in Denver next year. And if if it's you know your your man A Rod from from Green Bay or indeed Russell Wilson from Seattle, um, look, Cortland Sutton's going to see an uptick, isn't he? So, do, do you think that this could be a a buy low opportunity of Cortland Sutton, or do you think the Cortland Sutton we've seen over the last four or five weeks, where he's, he's basically been unstartable, do you think that's the Cortland Sutton to kind of stay? No, I think that right now is a good buy low window. Um, you're probably seeing a new quarterback coming in next year. I, yeah, we we said this at the start of this year. You're seeing a new quarterback, and then they got Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, yeah, we were right, but <laughs> we weren't glad to be right. I know that I bang on about Teddy having the in crazy set of three top twenty-five scoring wide receivers fantasy, but he's not a great quarterback. Um. I think that if they do get a good quarterback in, that Cortland Sutton becomes the one again. I don't think Judy becomes the one there. Um, so I do like it as a buy now, like a, a buy low window for Sutton, especially knowing that he had 120 air yards. And if he connects on any one of those, that wide receiver 71 week becomes a, a wide receiver 40 plus week easily. Yeah, I think he's he's got you know, he is an, an elite talent. I, I still believe that he's a, you know, top 20 talented NFL receiver. I think as a prototypical X, you know, he, he can run the deep routes. He's, he's good at the contested catch. Um, I really think he's a very talented quarterback. The problem's been is that he doesn't mesh with Teddy's style at all. Um, you know, Teddy doesn't like to throw those contested catches down, down the, the sideline. So if Drew locks in, could we see an uptick for Cortland Sutton now? I hope so. And as soon as a new quarterback comes in, I think it's only going to be an uptick for, for Cortland Sutton because I think you can probably get him quite cheap at the moment. He's proven that he can be a top-end receiver as well. Only two seasons ago now was he a, a top um, option before his ACL. I think I'm, I'm pulling this literally off the back of my head, so I may be completely wrong, but I believe he was wide receiver 19 in his second year. Um, I'm frantically trying to trying to Google it, but um, yeah, as I said, I've literally pulled that out of thin air, so I might be completely wrong. Um, but we'll, we'll leave Cortland Sutton for the time being, Liam. Um, um, I, want to, you, 
I, we won't we won't leave him. Uh, you are bang on correct at PPR oh. scoring wide receiver nineteen in twenty nineteen. That that is I, I knew my my ability to retain completely useless information would uh, would come in eventually and there you go. Pull pulled that out of there. <laughs> um the spotlight player of the week, Liam. So this this I wanted to go a little bit different. It's I don't I was really coming to kind of almost talk it through with you as much as I'm not sure I've got quite a, a specific decision or a specific value in mind. So I almost wanted to talk it through with you and sort of work it out as I went. Uh, so the spotlight player this week is Chris Godwin. Um, as I said at the beginning of the pod, he is currently the wide receiver six in terms of PPR scoring at the moment. Um, he obviously tore his ACL on Sunday. He is out for the season I don't know this confirmed, but I'm guessing with the timing of the injury, normally it's like nine months to a year. So I'm guessing he's probably going to be missing most of training camp, maybe, you know, touch and go to start the season. As you mentioned earlier, he is a free agent at the end of the year. Hopefully, you know, the Bucks do right with him and sign him to a big long-term deal. I'd, I'd be shocked if they let him walk out the door. Um, but what 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 are you doing with Chris Godwin? Do you think this is a buy low because we always try and buy low on injuries? Do you think that? I guess my concern with him at the moment is that normally I say go and buy low when a player is injured because I think their value drops. But the thing with Chris Godwin is that I don't think his value is going to drop because most people are already seasons over. Most people are out of your you know if if you're in a twelve team league eight teams are out of the playoffs. So there's only four teams that are still playing. So I don't think we're going to see that big value drop because people are already looking to next year. So given the fact that he's now potentially unlikely to go through training camp, given the fact he's a free agent, given the fact that he might have, you know, a delay to start the season, could now be an opportunity to sell high on Chris Godwin, which, you know, I feel slightly sacrilegious saying, I'll be honest. What what do you think? Help me out. As I said, I've sort of just, I feel like I've just vomited a load of words at you to uh, to get my thoughts out there. Honestly, I'm in, the, in a very similar situation to you. I have no idea where to turn with this. So just looking at his end of season finishes, at the, at using PPR scoring as we always do, he in his rookie season didn't really do anything, and then he had the wide receiver 29 um, in 2018. Then he was the wide receiver two, which is the season where he broke out, absolutely went mental, and that's where his price went massively up. And then last year, he played only 12 of the 16 games and ended as the wide, uh, wide receiver 31. And then currently, he is the PPR wide receiver six, so you are potentially seeing a very, not volatile, but you are seeing a very up and down player on a season basis. I think with the ACL, maybe you see him come back a little bit, a little bit slow. And you, we've seen it with a lot of ACL tears, especially at the wide receiver position. Um, I mean, the person we've just spoken about, Cortland Sutton, is a great example. He didn't come back and run full routes and look amazing and bursty out of every single route that he ran um, straight after his ACL tear because it takes time for them to get back that trust. And maybe, I definitely don't think it's a buy 
but you could buy low probably on his ACL tear, especially when more news comes out on when he's going to come back. Because if that starts to look like it's going to be in the season, that price is going to come down because he's missing time during the season. And then potentially when he does come back, you'll see that if he does start out slow, you'll see that price come down even more. My I don't know whether it is a sell high window because if you sold him before this week, you definitely sold high because he obviously didn't have this injury and he was the PPO wide receiver six. But now maybe you're selling at discount. I I really I know this is awful podcasting, Rich, where both of us don't really know where to go with this player, but I honestly have no idea. Like, you could be selling him extremely high, or you could be selling extremely low, and he comes back to start the season, and he, he picks up where he left off. Um, yeah, so I think, I think for you, me... you also have the whole... Sorry, Rich, but you have the whole free agency thing that is completely unknown, where he could do a Kenny Golladay, go to the Giants, where you think it or at least I thought that it was an okay situation. Yes, it wasn't best, but he was going to be the wide receiver one and be okay with targets. And then Kenny Golladay has done what Kelly Golladay has done this year. Or he could do the complete opposite, where Godwin goes to somewhere that increases his value, and then he doesn't do much, or he could do well in either situation. I think there's so many variables with Golladay. He's the ultimate risk play right now. If you are rebuilding, you can get him for cheaper than you could have done last week. And I mean significantly cheaper, then I don't mind taking a shot on Golladay. Godwin. Yeah, Godwin, <laughs> so, sorry, Godwin. So for yeah. me, I think, so in terms of team scheme fit, that side of things, I don't think there's a better fit than where he is currently. I think he is the perfect slot receiver for that Arians offense. We've seen, as I, I put out on Twitter last week, no wide receiver in the NFL has scored a higher percentage of their fancy points from the screen game. I think it was like no wide receiver was over like 15% and Chris Godwin was at 30%. Like he is very reliant on the screen game. But if you listen to Bruce Arians, the reason why he is used so much as a, in the screen game is because he is an incredible blocker in the run game. And Bruce Arians basically says, my best blockers get the easy casters on, on the screen game, get the easy catches, because that's almost their thank you for doing so much hard work in, in the run game. And I think that he is a perfect fit in that Bucks offense. Yes, I am concerned about him being a free agent, but I'm fully expecting the Bucks to do what's right and bring him back because I do think that Tom Brady's probably going to be back next year. And I think that if Tom Brady's back, then I think Chris Godwin's back. Um, in terms of price, so he, he was the wide receiver 11 in DLF ADP at December, so that's obviously pre-injury. Post-injury, he's currently my wide receiver 13. Um, he's dropped a couple of spots because of the injury. So in terms of value, so I've got him as worth the 104 in a Superflex draft this year. So for me, if I can pivot off Chris Godwin to, you know, a wide receiver that, that would help me, if I could pivot from Chris Godwin to Devo Samuel, that's, I don't think you'll be able to, but that's absolutely a move I'm doing. If I can move off Chris Godwin for top 12 price you know if i can get 
a couple of firsts if I can get you know a, a top three pick in the Superflex League that, that's probably a move I'm making if I can buy low as in you know a late first maybe if I can move off a someone like um I'm trying to think like a Keenan Allen I can go from Keenan Allen and go and buy Debo Samuel if I can move off uh perhaps an Amari Cooper um to go and get uh, uh Chris Godwin that's absolutely a move I'm doing um but it's, it's I'm really interested to see how the next week plays out because I think for me this sort of late season injury I always find fascinating from a value perspective because I think Chris Godwin could be you know, his, if if his value holds, he could potentially be a sell high, and and if his value plummets, he's, he's I think he's a great buy low. I think the thing you need to think about as dynasty owners in or with this type of situation is these type of season-ending injuries, where any point during the season it would have been a season-ending injury, but because it's so close to the end of the season, people will probably forget about it or will not it won't affect them as much because it's not taking a player out for the fantasy regular season or for a majority of the playoffs so you probably won't see as much of a value decrease for godwin as you will see if this happened three or four weeks ago yeah yeah absolutely absolutely um, so that concludes the show. Do we have a? I'm looking at you. Do we have a listener question for the week? We do, and it's from one of our old friends, Mace. So Mace asks Rich, "What's the best way to get rid of some roster cloggers for some later round picks?" So you always speak about your roster cloggers. We you always speak about um, you don't want them on your team, but if you do have them on your team, Rich. What's the best way to get rid of them? Because they're probably not to, at the point where you want to cut them because they potentially could do something. But at the same time, they, they probably have a bit too much value. But at the same time, do you just cut them or do you try and get some sort of later round pick? So for me, this this is a very interesting question because I actually had this conversation in my Patreon um, with the guys last week. So basically what my move is, is that if I think there's a player that I identify as a roster clogger, I, I am never going to start this guy, but he has too much fantasy value to cut. What I do is I offer him to so take a player. I will offer him to every single owner in my league for a third round pick. Okay. I will put a time on that in 24 hours. I will come back in 24 hours. And if he's been accepted for a third round pick, fantastic sold if he's not been accepted for a third round pick i'll remove all of those offers i will then offer him to every single team for a fourth round pick or whatever and and i'll give it 24 hours if he's not been sold for a fourth round pick i will then withdraw all those offers i will then offer them out for perhaps fab or whatever i can get but if after three or four go times of going around offering them out for basically nothing I'm not getting any takers, then what that tells me is that this player is not valued in this league at all, at which point I will then just cut them. Okay. Because I think that if you've got a roster clogger and you just cut them, there's potential that somebody else in your league will have given you an asset for them. 
And I think that for me, my, my biggest bugbear in Dynasty at the moment is people identify a roster plugger and they just stick them on the trade block and they go, oh, if anyone's interested, they'll give me an offer. That's that's not enough. People people don't proactively go out and trade for people on the trade block. If you want to move a player that you think you need to be selling, you've got to be proactive. Go out and make those offers. If you're wanting to sell high on a player, if you're wanting to sell low on a player, whatever you're doing, if you're wanting to sell a player, don't just stick them on the trade block. In fact, don't stick them on the trade block. Be proactive and actually go out and make offers. If you have got a roster clogger, go out and make those offers and you'll be shocked how many get bought. You'll be shocked how many get accepted. And if they don't get accepted, then you know you can cut them and you've at least tried to get something for them. And then, yeah, if someone goes and spends five, ten, fifteen dollars fab on the waiver wire, you're like, that's fine. You've you've gone and done that. But I did everything I could do to try and get an asset back before I cut that player. That's a perfect answer to be honest. <laughs> I think I think the only thing I can really pick out of that is every league is different. So we can always talk about values. But it doesn't mean that these are the values that people are going to take into your leagues. These are just the values that we have. And you see the amount of times me and Rich will disagree on values for a player. So imagine if that's just that that's just two people. Imagine there's 12 of you in a league now and how many people how many times you're going to disagree with the value on a player. So um yeah, every league is different, is basically what I'm trying to say. So you might not be able to sell that league, that that roster clogger in one league, but then in another league you might get a third rounder. So yeah. um, you've well, just that... got to be cheeky sometimes. <laughs> well, on, on that note, that that concludes the pod. So thank you, thank you ever so much for those who joined live. Thank you very much for those who uh, who jumped on uh, and listened on the podcast. Um, as always, the 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 my articles have now finished for the season. Um, but we will be back throughout the off-season periodically with some interesting takes on player values. We'll, we'll get you prepped for the draft as well. Um, we will obviously be back every week still with the podcast. We've got some really, really, I mean, really, really exciting guests lined up for some fantastic podcasts. Um, we've got some really interesting topics. Um, if there is anything that you particularly want to see us break down or cover in the off-season, by all means, get in touch, let us know. Um, we've pretty much planned out the next four months i think in terms of podcasts so there's some really exciting content that we're we're looking forward to bring to you um also before we go just a very quick shout out to uh, to alex and uh to phil who have, uh, have made it through the first round of the dynasty listener league congratulations and uh yeah we will see you again next week a long healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. 
Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.